This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Live Laugh Leafs postseason edition rolls on on the heels of two Game 7s. Uh, I don't think we've ever experienced anything like that as a hockey fan, at least two Game 7s back-to-back in the same site, same broadcast crew, same everything. Uh, and it lived up to the hype. It was an incredible day of watching hockey. I was planted on the couch, and I do not regret a single moment of it. Mike, uh, you a little hungover today based on what you saw. It was a taxing ordeal, seven hours of hockey, and uh, I'm sure you didn't do much movement. Get the blood circulating again? Yeah, no, it was, it, it was definitely a stationary type of day. But, yeah, I, if, if, if what I'm experiencing right now is a hockey hangover, then I always want to be hungover from hockey. That was such a fun day. Um, the, the, af- the play, the NHL playoff hockey in the afternoon on a weekday, you can't beat it. You just can't. It's a Friday afternoon, beautiful day outside. And you just, you're planted, you're planted on your couch. You're watching two teams slug it out for essentially like the futures of their career and the futures of their season. It was, it was incredible. And these games really, they, I mean, more so the, the first one than, than the second one in terms of entertainment factor, but boy, these games were incredible. Unfortunately, that's the last of it, having, you know, back-to-back games, afternoon Mm -hmm. hockey, because we are suddenly down to the final five teams. I mean, we should be at the final – we will be at the final four uh, within the next 12 hours or so, but we are recording on a Saturday morning, and Mm -hmm. game seven between the Philadelphia Flyers and New York Islanders is still to come. So we can focus our attention mainly on the West in those two game sevens with Colorado uh, losing to Dallas in what was a highly disappointing uh, series uh, result for the Colorado Avalanche, who obviously had, had quite uh, a large amount of ambition and, and expectation uh, leading into these playoffs. And of course, the Vegas Golden Knights finally got by Vancouver. They finally got one through on Thatcher Demko, who put together one of the single greatest uh, you know, short-term performances in NHL postseason history. I think uh, it's, it's not a stretch to say that. Uh, where do you want to start here? We can start with uh, Vegas and Vancouver. Is that... Uh, is that probably in terms of what's more interesting, the, the way we should start it off? I think, like, they're both interesting. We, let's go Vegas, Vancouver. We're Canadian, so might as well do that. And I just, like, I, I'm chomping at the bit to talk about Thatcher Demko. I mean, this is, like you said, one of the most incredible postseason goaltending performances we've seen in a short sample size. It's, it's, an, it's amazing. Like, he, he stopped 123 of 125 possible shots in the series. Only one player was able to beat him in yeah. Shea Theodore which also boggles my mind. And we'll get into, we can talk about Shea Theodore too, because that's just, it's incredible. I, this, not just in terms of how it played out with the series is, is incredible with Thatcher Demko. I mean, he came in and he, like the Canucks had one of the best goalies in the league in Mark's room and he went down and you think, oh no, like you're, you're pretty much screwed when that happens. And then they have Thatcher Demko come in and essentially will them to a game seven. They shouldn't have come close to that game seven. They got pummeled. And especially even in this game, um, in, in the actual game seven, the, the final score was three, nothing. They, they had 14 shots on net and Thatcher Demko was essentially the only guy back there just being like, I don't want to go home. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. But now what I also want to, what was also really interesting is although it's a three game sample, does this change how they view uh, Jacob Markstrom's free agency? Because this is like, you now have a guy who essentially put on, one of the greatest shows we've seen in the sport when it comes to the playoffs. And you, why, and he's 24 and he's locked under, he can be locked under team control forever. Why would you want to pay a guy like Jacob Markstrom like a, a ludicrous amount of money and maybe block him? It's incredible. There's so many storylines going on here. Well, yeah, let's get into that. I, I can't see how it cannot change their, their mindset heading into, you know, this off season and free agency with Jacob Markstrom because the way Thatcher Demko played was, was remarkable now he's never like he's never going to be that again like it was at the point where it was comical how how the manner in which he was keeping pucks out of the net like that's never going to happen again Vegas had at one point in the series over 100 shot advantage over Vegas 
it in what was a series that was coming down literally to the wire. Like they had three opportunities to eliminate the Vancouver Canucks, obviously in game five, six, and seven. And it basically took them until the last television timeout to finally break through mm. in a series in which they were utterly dominating. It was basically, they were running into something that was, you know, just as powerful and just as relentless as they were in terms of their, you know, puck pursuit and their ability to just, just hand teams in everything that they do so well was they were just getting matched in terms of a goaltending performance, which is absolutely remarkable. Thatcher Demko basically grew up right before our eyes and, and announced that his, that he's, you know, here to stay and for real. So there's a good chance that this never happened. Like if Jacob Markstrom never got to the point where he was fatigued or dealing with a minor groin injury or just couldn't start, we might not have ever seen this from Thatcher Demko and the Vancouver Canucks could have went an entirely different way. But now with all the circumstances that surround it with, the Seattle expansion draft with the looming cat crunch in Vancouver with Jacob Markstrom, uh, the market for Jacob Markstrom probably going to be quite significant. I cannot see the Vancouver Canucks making the decision in which it looked like they were always going to make, which was do every, just do everything they could to get Markstrom back in the fold. Thatcher Demko is a legitimate starting goaltender. It seems in this league, maybe he will not have, uh, you know, the, the most brilliant next season when he's potentially a starter and in that featured role, but he has the talent uh, and to, to uh, potentially surrender that in the, the expansion draft because you've chosen a 29-year-old Markstrom who is just, he's just hitting his peak right now, but to give up on Thatcher Demko, signing Markstrom is basically saying that you're giving up on Thatcher Demko to a certain degree because he's mm -hmm. too good to be a backup. No, you're so, right. Thatcher Demko has shown them exactly what he is, and now it's on them to make the decision. Either way, I mean, you, you can overpay for Markstrom, which you're going to have to do to keep him likely, or you can go with the younger option and shore up what is a roster that is close to competing. Yes, they made it to the second round of the postseason, but they're not quite there yet to compete. They need some added pieces. They need to reinforce that strong nucleus of young talent. And saving money at the goaltending position and riding a guy like Thatcher Demko who clearly has the ability to be an elite goaltender at times. That's what he's shown with the mm -hmm. short-term performance. Uh, I, I think it's an easy decision when four or five days ago, it wasn't even something that was being considered, it seemed. You're 100% right. And uh, Thatcher Demko has been, he has been teased as the Canuck savior for honestly, as long as I can remember. Like he is, this has been a, a this has been like years in the making. I'm pretty sure I remember being in high school and hearing about this guy, uh, like being, mm -hmm. you know, being drafted and essentially being the goalie of the future, um, which also goes to show goalies take a long time to hit their stride. We don't even know if Thatcher Demko has actually fully hit his stride right now. And he's 24 and he got drafted when he was 18. Like it's, you need to be patient just because you have a goaltending prospect in your system who's not tearing it up at the moment. Joseph Wall, for example, if you want to bring it back to the Leafs, because that's in our name, yeah. give it time. But what Thatcher Demko might have done here, one, it's unbelievably impressive that not only did he put together this amount of this, this performance, but he did it in every, every single game that he did, he did in three straight elimination games. It was incredible. Every single time he took the ice, it was drop the ball, the season is over. And he set, instead put together what will likely go down as the greatest stretch of his career. That's incredible right there. Number two, he might have just saved the Canucks from themselves because what is the most risky uh, if we don't want to talk contracts. The most risky contract to sign, as we've seen many times, is giving lots of money to a goaltender who's on the wrong side of 30. That could cripple a team. Look what it's done to Florida. Look what it might, like, there's so, there's so many, uh, look what it's done to, to Montreal. They're paying, you know, 14.85 million for two goalies right now into, because mm -hmm. they want to spell one that's making 10 million. If you, what they could have given... There's a, there's a crazy goaltending market going on right now. We're about to enter probably the deepest goal, free agent goaltending market in recent memory. And the Canucks could either overpay in terms of term and money to Markstrom, who's great, but is also 30 right now. And could be approaching that, you know, that age where it starts to fall off and you're now suddenly stuck with, saddled with a contract that could absolutely ruin your books. Keep in mind, they're also getting hit with 3.025 million cap recapture penalty from Roberto Luongo, the last goalie that they signed to a contract like that that didn't work out for them. Thatcher yep. yep. Demko comes in from out of the blue. He didn't have a great regular season. I think it was a 905 save percentage in the, in the regular season. He had that Austin Matthews shot that 
looked like it just kind of teleported into the net. Like he just didn't look like a confident goaltender. He comes in and looks like a completely different goaltender and like the goaltender of the future that could just essentially save them from making this, this awful contract decision that they otherwise would have made out of what they felt was necessity. They also have Michael DiPietro coming up through the ranks. They could also re-sign Louis Domingue to a cheap contract if they want to make him the backup for this year so, or for the next year. They, for all that we've talked on this podcast about how the Canucks have some really difficult to in free agency, how their cap situation is a little rough right now, how you know, this is their contention window, and it is. And we'll, we'll, I'm assuming we'll get into that. It's a, little, it's a little tough for them. It would have been nice if they won, obviously. But what Thatcher Demko might have done is essentially shored up the biggest uncertainty of their offseason. And he did it in the most spectacular way possible. This is some of the, not just in terms of, of the results, yes, 123 of us is great, but this is some of the best goaltending I've ever seen. Like he just, the, the looks on Vegas' faces, what's great is I, I, so I obviously watched the game, but then I watched the highlights back this morning before we recorded. And what's great about that is, Sportsnet really focused in on the slow-mo exasperated reactions of Vegas every time that Demko robbed them. And Riley Smith had one for the ages. I wish we could, I wish we could just insert that gif in here because it is, as the kids say, an eternal mood. It was remarkable. I, I can't, like I said, I mean, Chomp had the bit to talk about that for Demko because I just love great goaltending and he did an amazing job. Yeah, and it wasn't just like fluky, you know, I'm just on one goaltending. It was leg- like, it was, I'm not, no, I'm not a goaltending expert, but the technical aspects of his game, the ability to not, you know, make everything look like this outstanding, miraculous save. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just rock solid goaltending, mistake free goaltending from a goaltender who was just thrust into this position. Uh, and basically just had a free roll at the table at that point with all the, with every, with all like the, the equity he was building and building and building through this series, like he could not do any wrong, but mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't fortune. It was just him playing incredibly well. And that's, that's the biggest sign here. This isn't, you know, Andrew Hammond just catching fire for a little yeah. bit. This was an actual goaltender, like a goaltender with second round pedigree that has been groomed for six years, has had success at every level in which he's played. He is the real thing. And I think you nailed it. I think he has potentially saved the Vancouver Canucks from themselves, from making a huge mistake. Now in this competitive goaltending market, they can just allow all the feverish action to play in their favor. And when a goaltender who can, you know, play a game or 30 games, 40 games and spell Demko when needed. So he can ease into this uh, like a starting pitcher. He can be stretched out into Mm -hmm. a starter over time because a goaltender that slips through the cracks during this or, was in a starting position and someone else decided that this was the better option, they can just let it all filter out and they can pick up a quality guy to share the crease with Demko on a bargain rate price. Uh, I think this is the perfect situation for Vancouver to save the money that they need and to, and to lean on a goaltender that they invested a second round pick in over six years ago. Now's the time he's 24 years old. If not now, when Thatcher Demko should be Vancouver. Vancouver's goaltender for now and into the future because of what he showed and what they've invested in this young guy. I mean, it's, it's, it just looks so obvious. Think about, let's look at their cap situation for a second. So I have it up here. So let's say they let Markstrom walk, which Demko has allowed them to do. And yes, Louis Domingue is not, is not a quality goaltender, but let's say for, he's making 1.15 million. And I'm sure there's, there's another equal, equal, uh, you know, similarly talent there. Same pedigree can be a decent backup, I guess. You know, I'm, talking, like, I'm talking more like a James Reimer yeah. because Carolina wants to, you know, like a guy who can legitimately play 35 games and, and give you good numbers. Okay. So let's, so let's give, let's say that he's making, Reimer's making, I think he's making 3.4, right? Isn't, isn't that, is he still on his deal from, from Florida? Cause if he is, he's making his number. I believe so. Okay. So let's just say that for argument's sake, Thatcher Demko for next year is making 1.05 million to be your potential starter. So you would, you would essentially be investing 4 million basically four four point five million into into your entire goaltending situation. Whereas if you re-sign Markstrom, he'd be making what? Eight million plus? Something like that? Seven million? Someone might be giving him that, yeah. Some someone the Leafs might be giving him that. We don't know. Like it's yeah. like this you you're essentially cutting down and you're paying if you want to take the most inflated goaltending situation in the league and compare it, you're paying ten million dollars less 
for your goaltending. And this is on the high end too. They might just re-sign Domingue to like league min and then you have like, you know, 1.05 and then 700,000. You have, you essentially are paying $10 million less than the Montreal team. And keep in mind, you, this guy just helped you push Vegas, who's, who's, I would say the presumptive cup favorite, at least from the West now, to a game seven. And you almost, you almost pulled it out. It took, it took a fluky shot from, maybe not fluky, but it took a, a crazy shot from Shea Theodore and then two empty netters to essentially knock off the, the cup favorite with this guy. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, yeah, the Factor Demko might have saved the connection themselves. And I think that if he ends up being the kind of player that he's, he's shown to be in, in this playoffs, but also is projected to be over six years ago, who knows? I mean, who knows what, what, what the Canucks, um, the savings that he's done in, in, this, in this flat cap them can be like in, you know, five years or so when he's still a decent, still a decent starter and they're able to have, you know, locked up guys like the Petersons, like the Hughes to these big money contracts and having to give one of them away. It, it, it's, th- although, although there, there's a lot of work for the Canucks to do. I'm looking at their cap sheet right now. They got some decent they got a lot of free agents coming up. They got not a lot of cap space to work with. They have 30,000 in cap space right now, which is nothing. Um, still, Thatcher Demko, you, you, can't feel, you can't help but feel great knowing that you have this guy in your system now for, for this amount of money. He's the guy that could keep this team together. I mean, yeah. literally six weeks ago, they were talking about trading Brock Besser because yeah. Markstrom is the guy you need to keep around. Now, that, now that's not necessary. You've got Thatcher Demko. Keep that team together because it is close. You need to tinker around the edges. You might need to cut some fat. Um, there's a lot of fat it, to cut here too. It, like there's it just, Ben Farchi, for example, is making 2.291. Yeah, and that's probably why it can't be James Reimer being mm-hmm. the guy that comes in. And it's got to be a guy who provides value at whatever number it is. And I, I don't, I just don't think Reimer probably at that number uh, gives you that. But I mean, you could find a capable goaltender in this market. You have to be able to do it. Probably one that does, you don't have to pay all that much. Uh, It's pretty clear. Uh, I I think we should talk about Vegas a little bit. Yes. um, Because while they sort of didn't become, they they weren't at the end of the series. It was Thatcher Demko. Mm -hmm. It was about them breaking through, but it was about them breaking through on a goaltender who was clearly the star of the series. But I think that was one of the most impressive performances I've seen in these entire playoffs, even though they only scored one goal on a goaltender and needed two empty netters and needed till, you know, six minutes remaining in the game to finally break through. Uh, the way that they approached that game, the, the only way to describe it is professional. Yeah. Because they had every, every reason to wilt, uh, you know, with, you know, getting all these shots and all these scoring chances and all this offensive zone time and racking up, you know, getting a hundred shot advantage at one point and not being able to get it through, but to continue on, and and play mistake-free hockey while being frustrated to the extent that they were, I mean, it just shows how professional this team is. Because, uh, yeah, it would have been nice if they got through in five games and rested, but I think they earned more by having to go through the adversity that they got through. Like, this this is a team that has been, in its entire history, it's been make or break at times in the playoffs for them. And every time they've reached that point, they've failed, whether it's, you know, losing in the Stanley cup final to the, to the Washington capitals or meeting that adversity in game seven versus the San Jose sharks. They haven't been able, they've had moments break them and mm-hmm. they had another moment that could break them presented to itself in the form of Thatcher Demko. And they didn't blink. They just kept on with their professional ways. And they finally found a way through, even though it took them, you know, over two hours of hockey to finally get that next goal from Shea Theodore. Uh, I, I, I can't say enough of how impressed I am by that team and what they were able to overcome in Vancouver, who despite not clearly they were an inferior team, but getting through them was impressive given the circumstances that surrounded the series. Absolutely. The, the word that I would use for Vegas is clinical. They were clinical in this game. They just, they, to your point about being professional too, they just, there were so many moments in this game after shoveling just chance after chance after chance on net and getting just getting, getting stoned basically in, in the most ludicrous ways possible. Thatcher Demko was going into snow angels and it just seemed like the puck was magnetized to his blocker, or to the tip of his mm-hmm. glove or to everything. There's so many times where they could have just been like, well, screw this. And, and for, to, to bring it back to the Leafs as we have to do, the Leafs would have wilted in this game. They would have, 
Like, you know that. The body language would have been so apparent. It would have just been, oh, man, we can't get this through. It's another. No, but they just kept pushing, and they kept pushing, and they kept pushing. There is a clip that I want to watch for the rest of my life, and it is Mark is um, Tanner Pearson trying to push the puck up, up the ice, and Mark Stone just essentially goes, nope, this puck is mine now. And he, blo- he blocks it in the middle with his glove on the ice and then just takes it and it's a scoring chance. He is, there's so many players on Vegas who I look at and I'm like, I just love this person as a hockey player. Like, I love watching them play hockey. I love what they do. Mark Stone, for example, is, is, has rocketed. He should have, I'm, I'm late to the party on this, but he should, he has rocketed up my power ranking of just players where if he's on TV, I will just tune in to watch him for sure. It's incredible. And as much as we want to give the Canucks, like, for example, I was going to bring up the, you know, the 14 shots on net that the Canucks have, and they were clearly gassed. They were an inferior team. But we also have to t- keep into account Vegas held the Canucks, who had all the momentum in the world coming into this game, to 14 shots in an elimination game. That's remarkable. And Robin Leonard, and the balls, too, to go to Robin Leonard on a back-to-back. You know, he's 1-7-1 he's, he's and one with a 3-6-6 goals against average in, in uh, career second-half back-to-backs. And they have a guy in Flurry, and you would think, you know, in a, in a situation on a back-to-back, the reason why you went out and got Leonard when you also had Flurry was so you could play the the. You prepared team. for these moments, right? Exactly. Yeah. But they went back to Leonard, and he wasn't tested that much, but he did have maybe the save of the playoffs, and yeah. so that just they know who they are. Vegas does. They do not care about any external noise, about any external. Um, voices they shoved off essentially an internal mutiny in net in the middle of this series that we've just forgotten about now if any mm-hmm. think about what would happen if frederick anderson posted that, uh, that picture what the market in toronto would be like what the team how the team would have would have uh would have dealt with that but they did yeah. they didn't let that get in the way and now they're off to the, the western conference final and if there is a hockey god please tampa vegas cup final please that's all i have to say Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Yeah, I mean that—that's pretty much the dream at this point. It's—it's uh, it's hard to not, not to include Tampa Bay uh, mm-hmm. in the dream scenario based yes. on what's going on in the other series. Uh, but I guess that segues us a little bit to Dallas, uh, unless so. you had anything else to to say on 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 Vegas before we move on. I mean, what else do you have to say? They're they're great. Do you have anything to add on the uh, on it, the it, it, and, and Leonard? No, no, not really on that. But I think you you hit the nail on the head with Leonard. I mean. Vegas was perfect in this game aside for one moment where they let Vancouver leak out in transition. And then Leonard made a save that trumped literally every single save in, <laughs> that Thatcher Demko made in the entire – and he was amazing. Like, he was yeah. the star for pretty much every second of that series. And, but still, the one moment that Robin Leonard had to come up big, he was even greater in that moment than Thatcher mm-hmm. Demko was at any point, which, which says a lot about – uh, Vegas and their ability to obviously be a threat for the Stanley Cup, but they will have to get through 
the Dallas Stars who leaned on a guy that I don't think either of us have ever heard of nope. uh, to lead them over the Colorado in, in Game 7. Yoel Kivaranta, mm-hmm. I think that's how you say it because I heard it for the first no. time yesterday. Uh, but he basically, you know, he had a couple games in the bubble, didn't do much, didn't make a name for himself, obviously. Uh, had a couple games in the regular season, I believe 11, had a couple points, but really was just a guy, a taxi squad guy who was not supposed to have uh, any impact in these playoffs. But he came in and did something that no one has done since Wayne Gretzky 27 years ago, which was to score a hat trick in a game seven, and his hat trick goal came in overtime. I'm going to be honest, I'm a little disappointed in the result because Mm. I wanted to see Colorado Vegas. I think that's probably the best product the the league could have possibly uh, had for a championship series, at least in one conference. Um, But Dallas is is an exciting team, too. Mm. They're a team that did not score much in the regular season and has suddenly found this, uh, this, you know, crazy scoring ability. It helped that they got to play a team that was down to a second and third goaltender, both of which would be considered inferior based on their comparables across the league. Um, but they are a team that just that has elements of Vegas. They have those, they have multiple lines that can play big, heavy, and fast and really get on you from an offensive perspective. Uh, their goaltending has been superb the entire year. And, and that has, sort of leaked into this postseason, although Colorado was able to uh, really get to Anton Kudobin at times in the series as it was down the stretch. Um, but the Dallas Stars are an intriguing entity. They are, they are someone I don't think anyone has really figured out yet because they are not what they showed in the regular season, and yet they haven't leaned on their stars to get to the point where they are. Uh, the stars haven't leaned on their stars. Uh, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn, Jamie Ben's been pretty good. Tyler Sagan's been really quiet. So they've mm-hmm. found other ways to do it, and they're leaning on some really quality defensemen to get there. I think they're a little overmatched in this series with Vegas in the end, but I'm not counting them out because, uh, yeah, they, they had some favorable things happen to them in this uh, semifinal versus the Colorado Avalanche. But they are a real team with that is much deeper and much stronger than I think anyone really gave them credit for uh, heading into these playoffs. Absolutely. I had, you know what, I've heard, I heard this guy's name a million times yesterday, Yoel Kivaranta, um, obviously three, at least three times after that, and then watching the highlights and watching the game and everything. And I still had to Google it to make sure I had it right before we started recording. That's how out of nowhere this is. Is this the most unlikely playoff hero I think we've ever seen? I mean, in terms of moment, in terms of spectacle, in terms of actual, like he hadn't context too. This is something, anytime you do something that the last time it was done, it was done by Wayne Gretzky is incredible. And this guy came in. This was a last-second scratch, too. He probably woke up this morning. It's not like, you know, all right, Kivaranta, this is your shot. It was, all right, well, Andrew Cogliano, the, like, resident – I know he had that one-game suspension or something, so he couldn't go in. But the resident, like, Ironman, the least likely guy to miss a, miss a game due to injury, and especially a game seven, must mean serious, can't go. All right, Yoel, get in there and just tread water. And instead, he did not only tread water – he did, he did an unprecedented thing. Is this the most unlikely playoff hero we've seen in recent memory? I mean, it's got to be. I mean, we've had moments, right, you know, like, uh, you know, Fernando like Cor- Corey Cross way back then. Like, yeah. There's been guys that have come through with, with moments that you would have never expected. But this was more than a moment. This was yes. a complete, a complete was game, a hat-trick performance, a guy who legitimately looked threatening the entire game. And it kind of – it goes to show you how – quietly deep this Dallas Stars team is there's a lot of guys that can hurt you even guys that they can just pull off you know from their hotel room who've just been playing video games this entire time because they had no real business being in the bubble in the first place it says something about Dallas I think this was the most this was for sure the most entertaining game of the playoffs I think except for maybe because this the 5 OT game between uh, Tampa and Columbus that just became plotting at a certain point it was more the spectacle of like how how much can the human body take this was it was fear factor yeah. it wasn't necessarily um yeah. hockey it was just wow i was expecting joe rogan to show up and give him the next challenge but uh this was this is incredible for so i had i threw in a just a little personal story to, to show you how crazy this was i threw in a, a load of laundry um at you know in the middle of this game when they were just going tic-tac-toe and my my laundry machine probably hated me because it was ringing that it was done for the entire third period, but I didn't feel comfortable going up to even, and my laundry machine is like right down the hall from my TV. It would have taken 10 seconds basically, but I wasn't comfortable 
going to, to, to get my laundry because I'm like, if I get up there, could, I could miss a goal. Like this is there, there was a 10 second. It was uh, Colorado went up four, uh, four, three, and right away, right back. 10 seconds, down the other later, the yeah. 10 seconds later, this was incredible. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I tweeted and, and I still believe this. I don't want to live in, the, in a world where I'm not watching this, this game because this is what imagine showing a, a new hockey fan this game as their first taste of angel action they would be so disappointed moving forward because nothing would be able to to reach this but it was incredible now now we can't we can't talk about this game without talking about the narrative armageddon that i think we we dodged we you know neo in the matrix dodged which is michael hutchinson because for as much as you support frederick anderson unabashedly you have also i don't want to say they derided michael hutchinson and you have definitely mm-hmm. not been on the Hutch Hive as a lot as the no, kids would say. No, no, no. I have not been on the Hutch Hive, no. Did we, because we're in Toronto, we're a Toronto-based podcast, you know, we, you, you're, you're Maple Leafs reporter Justin Cuthbert. Did we, did, did we avoid, like, narrative judgment day if Michael Hutchinson had come in and, and, and been a part of Colorado going to the, the Western Conference Final? No, because, uh, and I tweeted this, the Avalanche were one period away from being better than Hutchinson was bad. Mm-hmm. Like th- there's nothing about Hutchinson's game in those three games that would suggest that he is a capable goaltender in this league. Like he half the shots that he faced hit him in the padding somewhere and he would just freeze and look around because he had no idea where the puck ended mm-hmm. up. Like he showed exactly what he is in this series, which was someone you can't trust. And you mentioned how you, it was such an entertaining game and newcomers would, would be so disappointed by seeing, you know, even Vegas, Vancouver after this one because of all the hijinks and all the excitement. The only reason it was an exciting game is because you did not trust either of the goaltenders in net mm-hmm. because any shot, any chance could have gone in, could have led to a goal, could have bounced off Hutchison and left him swimming in the net while three Dallas stars are waiting on the other side, waiting to pounce on it and shovel it in. I mean, Michael Hutchison, I feel bad for the Colorado Avalanche. I feel mm-hmm. terrible for them because they deserve better than this. They didn't have goaltending. They didn't have reasonably solid goaltending through the balance of this series. Francois was terrible, and then he went out, and Michael Hutchinson, while he won two of his three starts, only basically the Colorado Avalanche won those games despite him. He was just not good enough. He wasn't even close. And even if they got through – that would have never worked against Vegas. No way. Running Michael Hutchinson out there would have been a layup for Vegas, who they, they, they have no shortage. They will play with no shortage of shots, scoring chances, zone time. Like, it doesn't matter who you are and what you can do at the offensive end because they're going to get theirs as well. And Michael Hutchinson would have folded faster than a cheap lawn chair at the very site of the Vegas Golden Knights. Sure, I guess we, we probably eliminated some columns from having to be read and written by guys who were just waiting for that leaf angle. There's already but, one. But, I mean, yeah, and it was premature, obviously, mm-hmm. because Hutchinson, he showed exactly what he was in this series, even, even though he got close. He showed that he's not a capable goaltender. Just full stop. I want to know what the, like the ratio of time was between Michael Hutchinson knowing where the puck was and Michael Hutchinson not knowing where the puck was. I feel it was like, crazy. It was I crazy. Like it was I could not believe some of the, the – I mean, I guess it's uh, – goaltenders are probably taught not to, like, you know, make really sudden movements when they mm-hmm. don't know where the puck is. But he would be, you know, at the edge of his crease, frozen, while everybody else is scrambling with knowledge of where the puck is going, and he wouldn't react to it. I, I mean, it, it was remarkable that it took as long as it did for, for Dallas to finally end that series – because they were playing a goaltender, Colorado was playing a goaltender that just didn't belong at, at this sort of stage. Look, and we want to clarify this. Like Michael Hutchinson is maybe the nicest guy I've ever interviewed. I'm sure he, it's the same with you. Like he, he's a, it's a great story, but man, but yeah, it was, this is where we, it, I know that the outcome is a little disappointing for Colorado. Obviously they were probably the favorites in the series. We, I had them as my Stanley cup favorite, you know, when we were talking about that, are you good? Spill anything? Yeah. I, uh, 
Just drop the air podcast. Just drop the air podcast. All good. I thought you had a Mike Francesca spill spill Diet Coke all over the board while you're on live radio moment there, but no, you're good. Yeah, well, that'll happen soon, I'm sure. He'll get there. Um, But so he's he's great, but at the same time, he just wasn't ready for this moment. He was not ready. He just wasn't. He, he wasn't uh, worthy of them. He'll never be ready. Let's be, I, yeah. I, we, we got to call it what it is. I exactly. Mean, it's, it's, it's not a guy that you're going to ride toward the championship. Yeah. It doesn't matter how good you are. But the fact, but it, it, if the Colorado Avalanche can't overcome this, and I don't think any team can. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like the, the fact that they pushed, they pushed Dallas literally as far as they possibly could. Like they pushed them past the confines of seven games into an extra period of hockey in overtime, coming back from down 3-1. This is, a, this is a, probably a team with the brightest future in the league, and we'll get into that quickly before we get on to the, the full Western Conference preview. But the fact that they were able to almost overcome the goaltending of Michael Hutchinson in three straight elimination games is remarkable. They, they are an incredible team, and I think although it's the, the, the outcome is a little disappointing, they were the favorites, they're probably the better team on paper. Um, to be able to overcome the injuries, both up front and, and out back, that, that they were able to do, and overcome the goaltending that they were then saddled with and still push a very good Dallas Stars team. We're not going to rewrite history here. They're, they're a good team. They, were, they underachieved in the, in the regular season, and now they finally got contributions from a lot of the players they need to get contributions from, which is why they're this successful. Um, it, it's remarkable. They're, they're, like Colorado, I would be shocked if Colorado is not, you know, I wouldn't say a dynasty, but they are, they're the most – I'd say their best perch to become like the new Chicago Blackhawks, for example, than, than any other team in terms of cap picture, in terms of young talent, just the pillars on their roster, the way they play, the management that they have, and the fact that they were almost able to face a Dallas Stars team that was firing on all cylinders in a bubble with Michael Hutchinson, Hutchinson in that and win an elimination game. It's remarkable to me. I know a lot of people are disappointed, yourself included. I'm tempering that just because of all the context around it. It, it, you mentioned like they're they're better you know more set up or better mm-hmm. equipped than any any other team moving forward and that's for no other reason than they've got Nathan McKinnon for either three or four more years at six million like this is this is a guy who is if not at the same level as Connor McDavid at the the next tier below I, I still believe you know I mean everybody wanted to say that this is the best player in the league right now uh, but the more I watch the more I sort of believe you know it's it's McDavid it's still McDavid. It it always will be. Um, it's still McDavid and always will be, but he's next, right? And he makes half as much as McDavid makes. And that is huge for the Colorado Avalanche, who can build around uh, the second best player in the league for my money uh, and, and pay guys, uh, you know, pay depth guys a little bit more to pay those premiums. They can just make all the moves that they need to do because they have that flexibility because they have a legitimate superstar who's getting paid like a guy who, you know, can maybe score 30 goals. That's, really that's sort of the difference more here. Than him. Exactly. Nick Ehlert. Like, uh, just that, that, that's the tier we're talking about. The guys who may be able to put 30 in that are just going to be good forwards for you. Can't, you know, can't lead your team, but could maybe throw in 30 goals. That's, that's, the, that's the level at which Nathan McKinnon is, is being paid, and he plays like a guy who, uh, you know, should be the second highest earning player in the entire league. I don't think there's uh, any question about that. Even, like, you even look at, like looking at, at um, looking at the Colorado Avalanche's cap situation right now is just like it's it's just hockey bliss. Like even a guy like Sam Girard, he's their he's their second. He's highest, so good. So he's, good. He's their second highest paid defenseman. Like moving forward on the back end, and he's making five million until twenty twenty six. It's amazing. That's one of like I, I would. It's, I have no problem with paying Sam Girard that, but that feels like one of the only non you know remarkably great bargains they have but it's still an it's still an incredible bargain he's still a great it's still, player. it's still very good you pay sam gerard five million dollars every day of the week but it's like every other one every other contract seems like it's even better than that one which is crazy kill like even i know that it's an elc but just in terms of like two more years of that two more years of eight hundred and eighty thousand. like come on even you even look like nico rantanen's making 9.25 until forever but like Gabriel Landeskog, 5.571. Nazem Kadri, 4.5 for the next two years. Just, I can't, I can't. And, and it allows you to pay guys like Jonas Donskoy or, you know, exactly. or Nemesnikov, guys like that. Like, yeah, they're making 3.25, which would be killer on a team that's capped out, that's paying, you know, their superstars double, which is what they should be. But no, Nathan McKinnon allows you to do that. 
I just love the way they play. And when you look at, look at their future, like coming up, I mean, in terms of like free agents, they have Nemesikov who's a UFA and they have Matt Nieto who's a UFA up front. But then basically you have Burkowski, Tyson Jost, Valerie Nachushkin, and Vladislav Kamenev. They're all RFAs. You can all kind of figure that out. And then you just have to re-sign Zadorov, who's an RFA, and Gray, Ryan Graves, I guess. And you can easily replace Barbario and Connaughton, who are, who are UFAs. It's, they, they are poised, they, and they have $5 million in, in space right now. They are poised with the way that their management is, with the, with the lean into analytics with, that they have. They are poised to essentially build a roster that can contend with you know, the, the Chicago Blackhawks in their prime years, where they just they had this set, incredible core of players right in the prime of their careers. I mean, Nathan McKinnon's only 25. Like, that boggled my mind. Because I, I look at him and I think, oh, he's like 28. Like, he's probably like, he's around like where Tavares is or something. So he's got a few years left. No, he's 25. Like, this is, this is, this is insane. He's one year older than Thatcher Demko. Mm-hmm. Like, it's remarkable. They are set up. They have one player on their roster, on their, in their forward core right now, who is, over thir- who is 30 or over. And it's Matt Calvert and he's 30. That's, that, that, that's insane. They, they, this is going to be the most exciting team to watch moving forward. Uh, and, and the fact that they were able, like I said, to almost, almost make the Western Conference Finals with Michael Hutchinson in net goes to show just how deep and how well-structured they are. Yeah, most elite teams are going to have to take from their roster this summer because, you know, the salary parameters aren't moving in line as, mm-hmm. in the same line that they were supposed to do. I mean, we're going to have a lot of uh, financial issues that are going to come to the, to the fore this summer. But Colorado is not among those teams. They're actually going to be in a position to take advantage of the teams that have to shed actual talent because they have the roster flexibility and the money to throw around. One more note on Michael Hutchinson yes. and Colorado. Uh, I, I almost think that they were in a better spot with Hutchinson than Fransos because it changed the way they had to play. Mm-hmm. They yeah. realized that they had to be a different team in front of Hutchinson because he's not one of their two normal netminers. With Fransos, they tried to play the same game and he just let them down in those games. Uh, so that adjustment with Hutchinson may be a hot take. But the Avalanche, I think, were actually better off with Hutchinson. I think it showed that in the series as well. No, for sure. And one last note, I guess, on, on Colorado, because if you look at their prospects too, and you go, oh, they have $5 million in cap, but they got to re-sign all these guys. They have Bowen Byram, Shane Bowers, Stud. and Martin Kout all ready to join, to join their rosters on ELCs. Like, it's, it's, it's not fair. Yeah, yeah, they're the model right now. They're the model. Yeah, and uh, Incredible. I, I've been on record previously criticizing Joe Sackick, and I would like that to be burned from the internet forever. Let's get on to the Western. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he looked—he didn't look that smart early on, but he's yes. somehow made it happen. He probably has some some quality guys around him helping him out. Uh, okay, Western Conference final preview. We'll be brief with this one. Vegas and Dallas. We've already broken down both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know where I'm leaning. I think Vegas is the superior team in the Western Conference. Maybe maybe left in the tournament. I think Tampa obviously uh, would have something to say about that. But I, I just cannot get past the way that Vegas plays. They literally look like clones of each other. Mm-hmm. Every line looks the same. They do the same things. Even their fourth line, while you can see that they don't have the talent of the first three, still manages to do the same thing, which is to, to prolong possession in the offensive zone and tire out the opposition. I, I just feel like Vegas is the better team and I will ride with them because they, they, they've just been the strongest outfit this entire playoff. And I think they do definitely have both the belief that they can do it and the, the knowledge that they can overcome some adversity, uh, that's what Vancouver gave them. I just believe that uh, one team hardly got through Michael Hutchinson. The other broke down and eventually broke through on what was maybe the greatest goaltending performance we've seen across three, stre- three, three games in recent history. Uh, I just think that the, the balance should tilt in the favor of the Vegas Golden Knights here. As, yeah, and as much as it's not entertaining television, I have to agree with you. Like Vegas is, they're, they're just, you know, they're a hive mind. They're all assimilated. It's, it's, it goes to show like every game when you watch, there's one, they're, they're, they, like you said, they play so similar to each other just all throughout the lineup. That even, you know, I was watching last time, like, oh yeah, Paul Stastny, they have him. And he's, he's great. Like they have all these guys that just step up whenever you can. And they're just, they're so solid up, like from, they're, they're built to play playoff hockey. They have the deepest net, they have the deepest uh, goaltending situation probably in the league right now. And they, where you could either go, as much as Fleury has struggled, you could either go with Fleury or Leonard and feel fine. Their blue line is incredible, led by a guy who they got 
you know, in, in the expansion draft in, in Shea Theodore and one of the biggest, one of the biggest gaffes in recent, you know, asset management history with him. And he's just, you know, having his coming out party. And then you have a million other incredible players. You've Nate Schmidt, who's a phenomenal defenseman in his own right. And he's being, you know, what the, their fourth best defenseman, in the playoffs. It's amazing. And then their forward core is just so solid, so steady lines. One, like they max patch ready is like a complimentary piece up there. Like it's, it's amazing. I love everything about Vegas. I love the way that they play. I love how they just, how mentally strong they are, how they're able to, sh- to just sort of dust off a mutiny that almost happened in the middle of a, a playoff series with them. How they're able to keep going. It's remarkable. Dallas is a really entertaining team. I mean, the fact that they were able to bottle the magic of uh, Yoel or yeah, Yoel Kivaranta is a Joel, Yoel, whatever. Kivaranta be able to do that. They, they have guys like, Radulov, who had a terrible regular season, he had 35 points in the regular season. And now he's actually starting to score. You know, they, they they're they're a great team, but I think Vegas is just so deep. One to through you know lines one to four through pairings one to three in net and everything. I, I can't in good conscience pick them pick against them, even even if it in, even if it's an entertainment product thing. I, I I have to go with them. So yeah, we're we're on the same side with this. I, I can't wait to see this series. Yeah, to me, it's two similar teams, but one basically has the edge uh, basically everywhere in the lineup. Maybe the only advantage the Dallas Stars would have would be with their top two defensemen because Klingberg and Heiskanen are just so good. And Shea Theodore, while he can match Heiskanen on the other side, maybe that next level uh, or that next two, three, four defensemen is maybe not the exact same as Dallas. Uh, But let's not diminish Alec Martinez's role. Mm -hmm. I think that was uh, uh, quietly one of the best acquisitions at the trade deadline he's played with Shea Theodore this entire time he's logged big minutes and he's actually made that second power play I never thought of Alec Martinez as an offensive guy but he fits in really well and and facilitates that second power play which you know maybe it hasn't you know been a factor in these playoffs at all but it doesn't seem like there's a huge drop from the first to the second and I think that has a lot to do with Alec Martinez who has been an all situations guy for Vegas and and maybe the guy that's helped Shea Theodore reach this next height it was that was a derided move at the time. Not 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 like crazy. They, they paid a lot for it. Two second it was, round what, picks. Two second I think, round but... picks, right? Yeah. And he was yeah. he's old and you know, he was he was getting up there and he wasn't an offensive force anymore, but he has really taken it just goes to show that if you plug a player who maybe would have been maybe not over his head, but just sort of in a this is why and this kind of goes to show with, with Oliver Ekman Larson too, is you plug a guy who had maybe been stuck in the malaise of a a very sort of mediocre franchise for the last couple of years and you plug them into a, into a situation that is just bred on winning, bred on success. It becomes, it just becomes, you know, in, infectious around you and, and it brings the best out of you. I know that's a weird stretch to make with Ekman Larson, but a lot of people are saying he's being sort of just sort of stuck, like kind of a stick in the mud for the last little bit in this weird situation. But like Alec Martinez, like you said, he's been in, in LA where they're essentially going through a rebuild and he was able to come into this winning environment in Vegas and essentially give them exactly what they wanted. So they were Vegas makes these these really shrewd moves the way they built their team with amassing the incredible draft capital that they had and then parlaying that into pieces to win now while still having a stock prospect system it's it's general managing 101 essentially asset roster building 101 it's incredible I can't wait to see them hopefully in the cup final I have them for sure what are the games for you like you how far do you see this series going I'll say six games for Vegas. I think that's probably the most reasonable take, and I'm all about measured takes. That's true. You are about it. I'm going to go five. I think it'll be a little – like, I think this might be a flash in the pan for Dallas, and I just – I think Vegas is – the fact that they got through Colorado, they're feeling themselves. I want to see them dust them in five. Yeah, I, just bigger, better version of, of uh, yeah. sort of a similar team. Uh, and you mentioned the defense. I think we mentioned the forwards being all like similar, and they just do the same mm-hmm. things over and over again. That's the same with the defense. And I think Alec Martinez helped give them that. Helped give them that six defensemen uh, that just sort of do the same thing and are so reliable shift after shift. Now something did break during the podcast where Ryan Reeves is is, is going to have a hearing for his hit yes. Uh, yes. last night. So although he doesn't play like a ton, he's still an important piece in terms of just you know muddying the waters a bit set the tone for a series i think exactly. his game one value may be more important than a game three four or five value yeah. exactly so if he misses a game one how, how do you see that because he might he might be suspended for one game for that hit how do you how do you see does that impact the the sway of the series at all uh not really i mean uh, as much as i appreciate ryan reeves uh sort of the entertainment factor mm-hmm. and the ability to sort of raise the temperature and the interest in a series I think he could probably do that starting in game two. I don't think he can miss more than uh, two games in the series because he already basically missed the entire 
seventh game versus Vancouver. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't mind him sitting for a game. I think that was a pretty bad hit. It was a self-destructive move, it was rough. Uh, I, I think, because it put Vegas in a really tough spot, and it just showed how, uh, how again, I'll go back to that word professional, they were by killing off a five-minute major and only giving up, I think, one shot over that, over that five-minute major. So uh, I, I don't know how much it does to the series because I think Ryan Reeves can sort of announce himself at any time. He's that one guy who can do whatever the hell he wants on a sheet of ice because no one's really going to stop him. Mm -hmm. So uh, when it happens, when he does that, when he's a, uh, able to slot into the lineup, not sure it matters all that much. All right. I mean, I, I do think that there is some is, – there's a lot that goes into – or, or some, some value – in Ryan Reeves setting the tone in a oh, game one. Yeah, I believe. And so I, I, I believe think, that too. I think if he sits out, Dallas, if they don't take – and it, obviously Ryan Reeves is not going to sway the entire, you know, outcome of the game. But I think the fact that if you – I think that players, when they're preparing for a game, they're a lot more giddy to play a playoff game that Ryan Reeves is not in than one that he is in. in, in that he is in. Not in. in. Yeah. Yes, that's how language works. And uh, if he sits out game one, I think Dallas will – be okay we, we have an ability we have an opportunity here to, to help set the tone of a series that we otherwise might not have been able to so I think it, it's it's more inconsequential than maybe any other guy who plays as much maybe in terms of a, an ice time or role perspective but yeah it, it'll be re really interesting to watch because that was a that was a rough hit that was not great yeah not smart at all okay so I have I have Vegas and five you have Vegas and six can't wait to be proven to be idiots like we always are well, who do we got tonight? We got one more game seven, Philadelphia and the New York Islanders, and probably the most, you know, uncompelling matchup yeah. that we could potentially, you know, have to deal with. I mean, the Flyers and Islanders, God bless them for getting this far, but it just not has, it just hasn't been entertaining hockey. I mean, I found myself, I believe it was game six. Game six was also happening at the same time for Vegas and Vancouver, and I preferred a second period Mm -hmm. between those two Western Conference combatants over a second overtime between two teams that were with one of them having an opportunity to get to the Eastern Conference final. Ultimately, I think these guys are going to be lame ducks. Whoever gets through is going to be a lame duck compared to Tampa Bay, which is just clearly the class of the Eastern Conference, at least in terms of the teams remaining. Uh, because the Flyers and Islanders, this is a battle of teams that are just not assertive enough to take it. I mean, the Islanders have had two chances to eliminate the Flyers. They've pretty much dominated most of the series, but haven't been able to get it done. And the Flyers just seem to be hanging on and just there. I mean, they're, the, they're probably the biggest frauds in terms of a one yeah. seed and only got that because of three games in which they took more seriously than the other three teams who were in that glorified ex ex exhibition. And the Islanders are, you know, as much as they've shown that they have a little bit more than we're given credit for, they are still probably – nothing more than a mediocre team that is just getting everything they can possibly or with a coach getting everything he possibly can out of them. Uh, I don't really have uh, a prediction either way. It's probably just going to come down to which team is more opportunistic and which goaltender uh, is better than the other, because this isn't, a, this isn't a series that features a team that can really assert itself. I think in a series at this level at the conference final, or at the set conference semifinal, rather, and beyond. I, I just don't want the Isles to win, man. I know we're like I. I'm just so sick of them. Like I'm so sick of this plodding, you know, boring hockey. You, you, we can't come off the day of hockey that we did yesterday, where it was just high flying, either incredible goaltending or you know, plays at either end, goals ten seconds apart, amazing. You know, I was on literally on the edge of my seat. I had to put off household chores just to watch that game, which is exactly what you want hockey to be. You want it to be, you know, to capture you and, and, and essentially keep you, you know, held there forever with how amazing it is. And then we got to go and watch another seven-game series of the Islanders in, employing the, what, the 0-5 trap that they do now. The mm. just, just, look, the Flyers, like you said, they are the biggest frauds there. I was surprised even the fact that, that they got this far. The fact they managed to limp back here is amazing. If you look at the deserve to win meter from, I think it's, it's Money Puck on Twitter all the time. Um, it's, it's always like the Islanders are, are always in the 80% deserve to win range, yet the Flyers managed to claw back. At the same time, if we're talking storylines, if we're talking, you know, uh, because there's not much we can talk here in terms of strategy. It's a game seven. That all flies out the window. In terms of actual storylines, Oscar Lindblom, Lindblom making his his return, 
I don't think it's a coincidence that the Flyers were able to pull out that victory with him kind of making his return to game action, everything. I, for him to even not even play that big of a part, but for him to be there, him to come back and for them to come back from a series deficit and make the Eastern Conference final, maybe when they shouldn't have with a guy who overcame bone cancer in less than a year, that would be yeah. pretty remarkable. So in terms it's of- very, it, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool. In, in terms of a storyline aspect, I would really love to see that happen. Um, but yeah, it, like you said, it'll come down to who, which team is more op- opportunistic, which team handles the moment better, which team kind of is essentially able to set the tone because this is this has just been a weird, plodding, and an really annoying series. And I think that, <laughs> I hate to call it that, but it's been pretty annoying. And I think that, you know, if Carter Hart stands on his head, then that's really the only the edge that, that Philly needs. I don't want to see it because I don't want the Eastern Conference final to be reduced to this. But I do believe the New York Islanders pose a bigger threat to Tampa Bay. Absolutely. For the sole purpose that they can actually dictate how a game is played and Mm -hmm. they can sort of assert their way, which is basically just supreme organization from a structure standpoint. Like that is literally their best trade. But that would at least give Tampa Bay something to think about. Whereas the Philadelphia Flyers just seem... The Philadelphia Flyers just seem to be a team that you you decide, you dictate how this game is going to be played. They don't assert themselves in any way. They just play the game uh, that is sort of presented to them. And that was enough to get by the Montreal Canadiens because let's, be, let's face it, the Montreal Canadiens were not a playoff team this year. They didn't deserve to be a postseason team. Uh, but they sort of dictate how that series went. And Philadelphia managed to squeak through. Now they're playing New York's game again. They're playing, they're playing the the... Uh, the series that their opponent is dictating. And if they do that against Tampa, they're going to be absolutely blown out of the water. So while New York poses a bigger threat to Tampa, uh, I want to see Philadelphia get through because then Mm -hmm. at least we'll see Tampa Bay as it's supposed to be, which was this juggernaut offense. And they can go shot for shot and chance for chance against Philly. And they're going to likely come out in front of that where Philly, uh, where Tampa or where the New York Islanders, sorry, is going to, try to reduce the series to something that uh, it's just that is not its potential, which is when it's, uh, when it involves the Tampa Bay lightning, the potential is fireworks. Yeah. The Islanders suck the fun out of whatever opponent they have to play. And so that's essentially what they'll do to Tampa, who is one of the most high flying entertaining playoff style hockey teams that have been comprised in recent years. Like you want to see, you want to see a team in its purest. You want to see what they're. You want to see them execute what they're built to execute. And if they end up playing the, the Islanders in the Eastern Conference Final, the Islanders will make them into a the most boring version of themselves possible. And that's not what you want from an entertainment perspective. And that's not what you want just from from the for the growth of hockey. I want to see if no. like yeah like I, I would much rather see the flyer the. I would much rather see the Lightning, yes, steamroll the Flyers in, in the Eastern Conference Final than have to go seven games of 2-1, 3-2, nothing against the Islanders. It just, it, that doesn't seem like fun to me. No, but either way, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning get through it because Absolutely. while they have the ability to play, you know, outscore you at every turn and outscore a team like the Flyers who might want to play that run and gun style and, and, and engage in a track meet, uh, what the Tampa Bay Lightning have done so far in these playoffs is prove that they can win like the Islanders. Uh, the, the one quote that keeps coming back to me is uh, at the end of that long overtime game versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, John Cooper said the message was don't take a chance to sacrifice something at the defensive end. They have learned to be a defensively capable a team as much as they have all that firepower up front. So any way you want to, any way you want to play it, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning have a clear advantage and will probably get through and will avoid having to see what is a team that doesn't deserve to be in the Stanley Cup Final make the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, but from an entertainment perspective, give me Philly in there so at least we can see uh, Tampa Bay stunt on an opponent in the Eastern Conference Final. I couldn't have said it better myself. That that that's essentially and like I said, if there's a hockey, if there is a hockey god. Vegas, Tampa, please. That would be so much fun. No news and notes because we are trying to keep it a little shorter as we sort of navigate this tight window for a podcast with games about to start once again. Uh, but I do have one note for Sam Kim, the new goal or the new video coach for yep. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Cut some clips of Elias Pettersson who created those two goals in game six with his screen. I want to see something like that from the Toronto Maple Leafs superstars next year, because you can rely on 
you can say that, oh, we lost that series for 2% shooting percentage all you want, but you have to create your opportunities to score. And Elias Pettersson helped. He's not going to get all the credit in the world. He's going to get a lot of credit for his performance in that series. But what he did is something that the Leafs superstars need to learn how to do. Do you have any parting notes for the Leafs since this is still a Leafs podcast? Like I said, you know, yeah, Sam Kim, he's, we know he's a dedicated listener to this. You know, we know he's a Live, Laugh, Leafs super fan. So clearly he'll, he'll be listening to you and taking those notes. Um, I wrote about this week about how it's the perfect time to, to trade Frederick Anderson. I think it's, I, I stand by that. And I, you know, we're keeping one of these podcasts in the chamber just in case something breaks, because I think, I think we might be having some news. I think there might be a bigger news and notes section on the next podcast we do than um, maybe there is today. Oh, there will be another All Leafs, Live Laugh Leafs coming up soon because we know it's going to be a big, busy offseason in Leafland. But for now, we will continue to focus our attention on the remaining five teams. It'll be four before our next podcast, Uh, but we're heading into the conference finals here. Everyone's going to Edmonton, but us. We're going to stay in Toronto for now, Uh, but we'll still have all the coverage uh, that we can possibly give you on the remaining games in this unprecedented hockey summer. Mike, I'll leave you to sign it up. Bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.